Thank you for joining us today for the Cross Loganville podcast. Today, Tim Cash will begin our series, Connected, Connecting with God and Others. Hey, good morning, guys. When Nick was telling me about the uh, bumper that he was making and using the old school dial up, I was like, Nick, I'm not going to lie to you. As soon as he brought it up to me, I'm like, Nick, I wonder how many of our people cussed because of the slow connection or because of somebody picking up the phone or because, y'all remember those days and just the progression of, of technology and where we're at. And uh, I was like, man, how crazy. So good morning to you. If you're visiting for the very first time, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, I, would in, I would really encourage you to get on our website, thecrossloganville.org. There on the website, you will find uh, a Connect card. For a lot of people, they still want to use paper. There's a Connect card in the seat, uh, in the seat back in front of you. If you want to fill it out and just drop it off at the Connect Center, you can do that. You can, uh, you, you, you can get online right there. It'll say guest. It will just guide you through an easy process uh, where you can give us some information. We'll send back to you who we are as a church, et cetera. First step of connection. Uh, also, the giving app is there. Uh, the YouVersion Bible app that we use, all of my notes are uploaded every week. All of that stuff is going to be found on the crossloganville.org uh, uh, startup page, and it will guide you through, okay? So let's do this as we get into this Connect series about connecting with God and connecting with others. That's where we're going to go over uh, probably the next eight weeks or so, and it's going to be an incredible time uh, for us to kind of recalibrate, reset, and refocus on really uh, what is essential and important in our journey. So this is going to sound very basic and very simple as I start our kind of talk and conversation today, but I think it is absolutely vital to touch on some of these things, okay? Let me say this. The Cross Loganville is a local church, okay? We're a local church. The word local implies that we are a small c church. It was a word that Constantine really came up with years ago, back in 327 AD, and the word was curiacon. It meant a house or structure belonging to the Lord uh, where people would assemble, but we are a small c church. Now, the word in the Bible for church, big c church, is the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia, that's what the word the church means. Now, when you define ecclesia in the church, it literally means those who have been called out of the world, out of darkness, those who now belong to the Lord by believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what it means. So when you see someone say, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm a part of the church, we're all at the mercy of how we define terms. Every definition needs to be clarified, even more so in our day-to-day, where we're living right now. So if, if a person says, I belong to the church, what they're saying is, I've been called out of the world. I now belong to Jesus by believing. I want to break this down. Now, here's a premise thought. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had taken his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And while he's there with the disciples, he looks at them and he asks them a question. He says, who do people, who do people say that I am? 
Well, some say you're Elijah risen from the dead. Some say you're John the Baptist. Uh, Some say, some say, he goes, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you know that the only way you could land at that conclusion is because my Father in heaven has revealed to you who I am. Then Jesus makes a statement. He goes, upon this rock, I will build my church, my church, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm going to build my church upon this rock. So then you've got to ask the question, if you're a student of Scripture, and if you're a student really of following the Lord, you've got to ask the question, then what is the rock? What is he talking about upon this rock? I can tell you Dwayne Johnson is not the rock. And I can tell you that Peter is not the rock because Peter's name is Petros in the Greek, and it literally means little pebble. So what is the rock? What is he talking about here? The rock was referring to the statement that Peter had made. The statement that Peter made was the rock. It was the boulder. Yes, B-O-U-L-D-E-R as well as the B-O-L-D-E-R. It was the boulder foundational statement. How do we become a part of the, the church? By declaring, Jesus, you are the Christ. Jesus, you are the son of the living God. Now, I'm going to break this down because we live in a culture of easy believism and slippery and greasy grace. And we we got to understand this. We believe. What what, what are you talking about? We, We belong. What are you talking about? The word believe in the Greek is the word pistis, P I S T I S. And it means to be persuaded to action. That's what the word literally means. John would even write his gospel in that last chapter as he finishes it up, and he makes this statement. All of this, everything John's written in the gospel, has been written so that you will believe, so that you will be persuaded to action. What does that mean? I believe that Jesus Christ is the anointed one. He's the Pointed one. He is the one that has been sent by the Father. It means that I believe in him, I believe on him, I embrace him, he becomes my life. That's what believe means. And we got to clarify that. Because it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I've walked an aisle. It doesn't mean that I just prayed a prayer. It doesn't mean that I merely acknowledge. You will hear in our culture people say this. Hey, all you've got to do is accept Jesus. We're all at the mercy of how we define terms. The word accept means just to make room for. Jesus didn't ask you to make room for him. Jesus didn't come to take part. He came to take over. Are you with me? Believe. If I believe, I belong. 
So does that mean that if I occasionally attend a worship service, does that mean you believe? Even the demons believe and tremble. Do I believe? So belief literally means that through authentic confession, I confess and, 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 and I've repented and I'm turning and, and now I believe. Well, what does confess mean? Well, the word confess in the Greek is the word homologia. Homo means to desire the same. Logia means to speak and to say. So when I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm saying what God says and I'm agreeing with what God says I need to be in agreement with. We're all at the mercy of how we define terms. It doesn't say acknowledge. It doesn't say accept. It doesn't say occasionally attend. It doesn't say occasionally tip God. It says believe. That's what the translation literally means. That's the Greek word. And so what does it mean to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Don't miss this. What does it mean? Jesus, it literally means God is my salvation. When he goes, your name is Jesus, it means you are the fulfillment and the embodiment of God's salvation. That's what the name Jesus means. His name is Christ. When I confess that Jesus Christ, he is the anointed one sent by God. He is Lord. It means he is the master. He is the authority. He is the controller. And he calls the shots. Whoever, Paul would write in Romans chapter 10, will confess, homologia, that Jesus Christ God's salvation, the anointed one sent by God, is Lord, master, ruler, and authority, shall be saved. Y'all with me? Bare bones, basics. So every person who comes to Jesus must believe, pistis, persuaded to action, that he is God's son, and he is the sinner's savior, and he is the only way to be reconciled and connected back to the heart of Abba God, and Jesus declares, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can get to the Father and come to the Father except through me. So once I believe, I belong. So how do I get there? It requires repentance. These are all crucial words for us, yeah, but it's so crucial for us. So what is repentance? Repentance means, and it implies, I'm turning from my sin and I am changing the source of what my allegiance or dependence was and I'm unplugging from those unhealthy, carnal, worldly sources and I'm plugging into Jesus only. That's what the word repent means. It means literally I'm changing my source. I'm turning from and I'm plugging in only to Jesus, not religion, not anything else. Because religion, again, we're at the mercy of how we define terms, the word religion means to return to bondage. This is what the word religion means. And people have looked at me over the years and go, Cash, you're religious. And I go, no, I'm not religious because re religion is Catholicism and religion is Mormonism and 
religion is all these other things. I'm not religious. I'm a student of Jesus. I'm into relationship because religion is a return to bondage because religion has been formed and shaped by man. Come on. So important. So when we truly believe and we truly belong We belong to everyone else that belongs to the Lord who believes in the Lord. And that would imply whether they're black or white or red or yellow or or whatever. So when I see a brother or sister who has repented and confessed and believes, it doesn't matter this. They're my brother and sister because we've got the same daddy. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ shatters and eliminates racism and hatred and judgment because the same blood that atoned for you, atoned for your neighbor who has come to faith in Christ, who believes. (laughs) That's, That's right. So, Tim, what are you? I'm a student of Jesus. My faith and belief is founded on the rock. Not Petros, but the rock. The Petra is the word that's used there in the Greek. Upon this Petra, I'm going to build my church. So what's the cross of Luganville? We're a local small C church. We're not the capital C. We belong to the capital C. So what is the cross of Luganville? The cross of Luganville is a community of broken people of jacked up lives, of shattered stories. That's who we are. Who now believe and belong to Jesus by having faith in Christ. And we have found that because of that faith in Christ, we have found hope and we have found healing and we have found salvation and redemption and forgiveness and peace. Just broken, jacked up people. Because of Jesus' love and the blood that was poured out for us and the promise of the Holy Spirit that was going to be given to us, that, that's who we are. That's just who we are. So the truth is, every person in this room, we all have messy stories. All of us have messy stories. There's not a perfect story in this room. Every person in this room has a messy story and has experienced trauma and pain and rejection and betrayal in their lives. And and some of our stories are more messy than others, but we all have a messy story. Because all of us were born into a messy world, and we were born into this world messed up because of sin, because of the Adamic nature of Adam that flows down to even where we're at today. So we're all born messy and sinful and disrupted, and there's not a one person that I've ever met. No human being is good, because even when they talk to Jesus, and Jesus says, there's none that's good, not none, but one, implying himself. 
So even as I look at my friends that I love and care about, they're redeemed, messy, broken people that have found hope and healing and salvation. And in Jesus, but you go, are they good? No, there's only one that's good, the one that died on the cross. But we've come to the realization, Jeff, that this is so good, that messed up people don't have to stay messed up forever. We don't have to. Because we truly do have a loving God who is for us and who is near us and who wants to live his life in and through us. That's the comfort that I have. Any person that I meet, I go, they're a candidate for the supernatural because the same God that created me created them. And that same God wants to redeem them and show them where life is to be found. So we, we, we believe here at the cross that as long as you have a breath, you've got a prayer, and you can call on the name of the Lord, and calling on the name of the Lord is prayer. That's how we define prayer. What is prayer? It's calling on the name of the Lord. It's just that simple. He's like, hey, man, I made you. I redeemed you. I love you. And that if you will come to me and repent and confess and agree with me, and surrender, I promise you, I'm going to hear you. And every person in this room that believes that now belongs, prays something like this. Lord, I'm lost. I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I repent. I'm coming to you. Would you please save me? That's the heart cry. It's the authentic confession of the heart. It's not just some Lip service of words. It's got to be hard, Dave. And when that happens, watch God work. So who's the cross? The cross of Loganville is a place of broken people. And it's a place where messy people come together. This is, where, this is who we are to try to discover who we are in Christ. What are the teachings going through James, Ephesians, whatever, even here? What, what, what are the teachings? Uh, what is the proclamation for? It is for people to discover who they are in Christ. It's for people to start to believe what God believes to be true about them. That, that, that's, that's it. And we're all, 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 including me and Nick and Dustin and Steve and all, all of us are in the process of discovering who we are in Christ. There, there's not a person on our staff in this church whose tassel has been turned, Craig, and you look and go, now that one has arrived. Kevin, none of us have, bud. We're all in process. But our prayer and our desire is that every person that comes in here, every person that gets connected in a small group, every person who's doing life with us, our prayer is that you would become a fully alive, devoted follower of Jesus. What, what is your prayer for every person that sits in here? From Andrew to Harold to Butch to, that they would be fully alive in Christ and fully devoted, that they would be growing in their faith, that they would be experiencing maturation every day, that it would happen individually, personally, collectively, corporately, as a body. If all of us are fully alive in Christ because we're pressing into the gospel, because we believe, what would God do? What would he do? 
And see, we all do. We've, we've got hurts and we've got junk in our lives. Again, as I said, we've all screwed it up. And even Paul, the apostle, would say, I am the chief of all sinners. You? Yeah, yeah. So we would tell you this is not a perfect place, but this really is a loving place and a caring place. And no matter where you're at today, and no matter what you've done, we truly believe that your story matters. Do you believe that? Yes. We believe that the resurrected power of Jesus Christ can change your narrative no matter what your narrative has been. We believe that the worst of sinners, that the most vile, corrupt, dirtiest, nasty of all people can find redemption and hope in Jesus' name. We're crazy enough to believe, Greg, that a sinner can become a saint by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by believing. Here's what I was thinking. You may have lived a hedonistic life, pursue, just pursuing a life of pleasure, and it's left you empty, and you chased after everything that the world has to offer, and the world lied to you saying, hey, this is going to make you happy, this is going to complete you, this right here is it, and you've come to the realization, man, how foolish has been my journey. I've jacked it up so bad. I can tell you, Merle, your story matters. There's hope and healing in Jesus' name. You may have lived a life of posing and performing. I know many in this boat. And you created this false image. You wore so many masks because you wanted to create this front to others that caused them to almost assume, oh, they've got it together. And now you've come to the realization, man, that is so empty. That is so shallow. Your story matters. You may have attended church most of your life Maybe you were drugged there by your parents, and you've attended, but you've done so out of obligation and not out of adoration, and you've come to the realization, man, I've been going through the motions. When is it going to change? I can tell you, your story matters, and God desires through the power of the gospel to change your narrative. You may, based on fellow marriages, addiction, bankruptcy, abusing yourself and misusing and abusing others, you may really think this, I've gone too far, man. I've jacked it up too many times. I can tell you that the grace of the gospel is as much for you as it is for the poser, as it is for Mother Teresa or Billy Graham. I can tell you, you haven't gone too far. As long as you've got a breath, you've got a prayer, and God desires to bring about redemption in your life. You see, here at the Cross Loganville, our mission is connecting your story to Christ and others, and that's what we're passionate about doing. Again, we want to see you fully alive and connected with Christ, but we believe that doing life inside of a community with others is essential. Now, one of the things that I've used for years and again, it's good to know this, where you'll know my terminology. This is not necessarily a biblical terminology. All the rest I've defined pretty much up until this point are all biblical terms. But I would tell you this. I use an A, B, C, D, E approach when I'm dealing with people. I've met people that are A's. What do you mean by that, Tim? I mean they're apathetic towards spiritual things. 
when you start to engage with them, there's apathy. They appear not to care. But we desire to see movement with that person, and we're going to love them. We want to see A's become B's. What do you mean by B? They're becoming interested in spiritual things. They at least want to talk about it. I want to see a person become a B that's an A. And then we want to see that person who is a B become a C. What do you mean by that? They confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're starting to at least uh, understand some level of what it means to know God. Now, there's been a lot of people that I've encountered, again, in the Southern culture that have walked aisles, prayed prayers, and for years they've remained a C. That's not good. You see, every C that comes to Christ and confesses Christ should become a D. We should desire to develop as a disciple of Jesus. That's what D is. I want to develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then that D, Blake, should lead us to really desiring to become an E where we're able to equip other people and become a disciple maker. You see, how long you've been on the road does not really reveal a whole lot. I've had people tell me, man, I've been saved for 20 years. Well, that's how long you've been on the road. How far down the road have you traveled? How much have you grown? How much spiritual maturation and growth has taken place in your life? To say it another way, it would be a person coming in rich who cautiously attends, and then all of a sudden they convert and they surrender to Christ, then they're committed to growth, then they start becoming a contributing member of the body of Christ. That's part of the progression right there as well. So, I know like some of my friends here from Colorado, I met a couple that is visiting for the very first time today. When I told you this is a good time to be here because I'm going to break down who we are as a church and lay the foundation, if you will. What I'm laying out to you today really are just the the foundational uh, building blocks of what makes us who we are. Now, here's something to know as a result of that. And Alan, you were a part of this with me, brother. But eight years ago, September 2013, we changed the name of this church. The church's name before was the Oasis. We changed it to the Cross. People have asked me, why did you change the name of the church? Well, the name of the church at that time did not have a healthy reputation in regards to the way uh, practices and conduct had been carried out here. So we're going to name the church. We're going to change the name of the church to the Cross There is a Latin phrase. There's a Latin phrase that we read. Uh, It it is nomen est omen. And that phrase nomen est nomen, uh, nomen est omen in Latin literally means your name is your destiny. That's what the phrase means. Your name is your destiny. So when you study scripture, God changed a person's name to establish a new identity. As far back as we can study scripture, God was in the name-changing business to establish a new identity. So he takes first, one of the first guys we read about is a guy by the name of Abram, and he changes his name from Abram, which meant exalted father, and he named him Abraham, which meant father of faith or father of many. Abraham was known as a man of faith. His faith was accredited to him before God. That's what he says in Romans. Then you read that God changed the name of Jacob, which means deceiver, as he wrestles with the angel of the Lord, 
And Jacob was a liar and a manipulator. And God goes, if I'm going to use you, I'm going to have to change your name. And he changes his name to Israel. And the name Israel, we see Israel uh, on the map and in the news all the time. The name Israel literally means one who will wrestle and struggle with God but will prevail. Changed his name. So God radically changes this guy in the New Testament by the name of Saul, the antagonist who is killing Christians. And he goes, I'm going to change your name to Paul because Saul meant admired and requested. And he changed his name to Paul, which meant little one. You follow me? So a name change meant that you're destined for a new mission in life. We're going to change the name from Oasis to the cross. Why the cross? And Paul would declare to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, he goes, For Christ sent me to preach the gospel, not in clever speech, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God unto salvation to those who are being saved. It's like, what are you going to change the name to? Why don't you change it to a neighborhood name or a cute, clever name that we're seeing out there with so many today? It's not, we're not going to do that. We're not, we're not going to do that. Because Paul said, God has sent me for one purpose. He sent me to preach the cross in the power of the gospel. And I was like, well, that's the reason we exist today, to know God, enjoy God, glorify God. But our command by God and the commission by God is going to all the world and preach the gospel and the cross of Jesus Christ. But what do we know? We know that the message of the cross has been trivialized and minimized and shunned in our society today. And, and we know that the power of the gospel is being rejected by most today. But we believe that the cross of Jesus Christ is the most powerful symbol known to hum, humankind. When are you going to change it to the cross? Because it is the most powerful symbol known to humanity. Going to change it to anything else? No. God forbid, no. We're going to become the cross. We're going to preach the cross. We're... we're, we're we're going to press into the cross. Why? Because we believe that the cross of Jesus Christ welcomes you to come find hope and salvation and healing. But we also believe that the cross of Jesus Christ requires that you come to die to self. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and nevertheless, it's not I that lives. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I'm living, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You believe that? Yes. But we believe, as I said earlier, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level for all. All. Black, white, red, yellow, it doesn't matter. We believe that. And we believe that the cross is the ultimate declaration of saying, I show no favoritism. Whoever shall come to me, whoever desires to come to me. So it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how much money you have, how many college degrees you have, or how much money you don't have, or how much 
education you haven't had. And it doesn't matter what your family name is. It doesn't matter because the cross of Jesus says, come to me and find life. Come to me and live. See, we believe that the cross of Jesus Christ offers hope. We believe that it offers life and peace and purpose and grace. We believe that the cross of Christ offers forgiveness, redemption, and salvation is available to all at the cross. Again, Paul said in Galatians 6, if I'm going to boast and brag about anything, it's going to be the cross. We sang it in a song earlier. But as the old gospel hymn declared, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith, belief and pressing into Jesus that I received my sight. Now I'm happy and joyful all the day. Why? Because I've got hope. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ is the anchor of our belief system. The cross of Jesus Christ is where our fundamental theology is born. It is absolutely crucial for our doctrine and our direction. The cross, what did you name it that? When Jesus was tortured and murdered on the cross, it was despicable brutality that was changing the course of human history. It was ugly. It was terrible. But he endured. He endured the punishment and the shame and the scorn of the cross to redeem lost, messy, sinful humanity back to himself. We believe that the cross of Jesus Christ is the most powerful symbol known to humanity. Do you believe that? We believe that the cross is where God's wrath was poured out and dumped on his amazing love. And the amazing love and the amazing grace of God embraces wrath for God so loved that he gives at the cross. Grace trumped wrath, and grace offers hope. God's statement at the cross and the ultimate declaration of when Jesus dies is, it is finished. And the Greek word is tetelestai, which means it is paid in full. Everything that the Father has required to redeem humanity back to himself, paid in full, tetelestai, at the cross. Sin is dealt with. The hope that I have is because of the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection, hell is defeated. Heaven is declared victorious. And the cross of Jesus Christ settles the argument once and for all of who wins. Who wins? Jesus does. The cross of Jesus Christ is where the old man can be exchanged and Become new in Christ. If any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. Do you believe that? Yeah. I do believe that. Again, it's a place where sinners authentically can become saints. If I look at you today and people go, well, well, again, I was talking to my friend here on the front row, Andrew, or Blake. Somebody said, who is that? And I would go, that is Saint Andrew. You go, Saint Andrew, he's a holy one. Because he believes, he's confessed, he's responded 
Oh, that's St. Andrew. That is St. Spencer. That is St. Tim. That is St. Robin. You go around it. You, you believe that? I'm married to St. Barb. How about that one? Dead men are made alive. Dead men are made alive at the cross. The lost are found. The blind see. The poor are declared. Your royalty in Jesus' name at the cross. You with me? The cross is where salvation is born. It's where the church, the church, the ecclesia is founded. And I can promise you this, without the cross, there is no hope. There's no peace. There's no future. There's no redemption without the cross. I praise God for the cross of Christ. I do not know where I would be in hell today singeing if not for the redemptive hope of the cross. I couldn't change myself. I couldn't fix myself. The power of the cross changed me. And I think for a lot of people, we celebrate Easter a lot better, if you will, in regards to the resurrection because we look at the resurrection, we go, what a cool story, a dead man coming back to life. That's cool. We struggle with the message of the cross because it is where an alive man became dead. And the brutality and the torture and the punishment that my Savior went through. And for me personally, in my own journey, I struggled with really evaluating the power of the cross early on after even coming to faith in Christ because I knew that what Jesus went through, even though it was despicable and brutal, I had contributed to it. My sin was dumped on him when he died on the cross. And there was a lot of tears and a lot of sobering thought of saying, I contributed to that crucifixion. I know it's amazing love that held him there. But I know his love for the Father of saying, I've accomplished the work that you've sent me to do was a prime motivator. But I know his love for humanity. When Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save, that which is lost. So I will say this to you in closing. Jesus was not murdered and crucified to make our life easy. And we're living at a time right now where we're going to have to figure out whether our ultimate declaration and surrender is going to yield to the Lordship of Christ or not. If we thought coming to Jesus was just going to get me out of hell and make my life easy, that's not why he came. Matter of fact, he says, those who seek to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And the deeper we yield and pledge, I can tell you, it's going to get tougher for the redeemed of the Lord. You're saying he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't save me just to make my life easy? No. He saved you to conform you into the likeness of Christ. And if I'm going to be conformed into the likeness of Christ, then I do a study on the three years of Jesus' earthly life, and I ask the question, was Jesus' earthly life easy? And I conclude, no. Much rejection, much attack, much betrayal, etc. So what are you saying? I'm telling you this, that Jesus calls us to all-out surrender. You cannot declare that Jesus Christ is Lord 
without embracing the fullness of repentance and confessing and believing what that means. And I'll lay that out on the front side to you, but I would tell you to say, when a person says, I believe, you're saying, I'm persuaded to action, I'm all in. To reject the gospel is to despise the cross. It's like, man, I despised the cross for a period of my life. To trivialize and weaken the power of the, of the cross, slippery slope. I, I, w- I would tell you, he wants you all in. He wants you fully surrendered. Do you believe that God calls every person to fully submit, surrender, and trust him? I do. Does, do you really believe that he wants us all sold out and yielding to his lordship, leadership, and him calling the shots? I do. Do you believe that I can just a la carte the pieces of Jesus that I like and walk in that and, and really experience the blessings and promises of God? I don't. You can't a la carte scripture and cut and paste and make it what you want it to be. I would encourage you to, to surrender and uh, all in. This is the game changer. This is where it starts. Let's pray. Thank you.